0: husband, well, hello, loves watching, I mean, Charlie Brown Christmas, you got to watch all of those, Frosty, he records all of those, we just watch him over and over again. It's a one, I love that one too, yes, all right, well, now that we've got the recording going and they're going to hit the timer for me. So I get an hour and a half, right? 90 minutes. Oh, that says... Well, open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are going to cover a lot of scripture today. Um, So taking notes is usually the best way to to, um, fact check, but to follow along. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5... We're also going to jump into James chapter two and First Peter chapter two, um, just to. Start, but week three, week three of our Christmas series we're going through, which is a spirit-filled Christmas Carol, and the story is all about life transformation, and Ephesians four are commanded to throw off our old sinful nature, your former way of life, and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now that's life transformation. And we talked, our main point throughout this series is that you cannot have a life transformed outside of God, otherwise you're just chasing after the wind, Solomon called it, Uh, vain pursuits. You know, it's like trying to grasp a hold of water in your hand. What you think you're going to obtain is just going to run through your fingers. To enjoy or to be part of this abundant life that Jesus said, I've come for us to have, It only comes through this transformed life in God. Now in his book, The Christmas Carol, self-proclaimed Christian author Charles Dickens wrote in the preface that he intended his story to haunt us pleasantly. After all, this is the writer who said, I have always striven in my writings to express with great respect and reverence the life and lessons of our Savior. See, he did not want his story to mire us down in guilt and depression or helplessness, but to lift us up in a spirit of rebirth and joy. The good news is that every one of us can undergo the same life transformation like our enlightened Scrooge did in this story. But it has to be by god in god and through god alone hi willie hi i'm so glad you're here i'm so happy to be here thanks for all the prayer yeah Yeah. you are you are still dear to our heart we're still praying for you complete healing in that leg are you wearing shorts yes we're still praying for you Willie. All right, focus, sorry. Uh, And like our enlightened Scrooge, as he proclaimed, he knew how to, after his transformation, know how to keep Christmas well all through the year. Now through this series, let me just hit for a minute, um, we focused on the three scenes in Scrooge's life, his past, his present and his future. The first week when we talked about his past, we discovered that experiences that we've been through in our life, if we hold on to them, if we allow or keep, or like I said, hold on to our past in our own hands, those experiences can actually um, warp or cripple the way we do life. Without even knowing it, we can, um, like throwing on a pair of glasses, we view life, even our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions, all through this distorted lens. It's funny, when um, Isaiah and Rachel were here, my son and his wife, over Thanksgiving, I never noticed. I put on Rachel's glasses just to see what they look like, and that girl is blind. (laughs) I mean, I thought I was, but hers is, um, she can't see far away, Near sighted, yes. Um, where mine is this way, so I have a lot of magnification for here, but I can see pretty good, far away. So when I put them on, it's like those drunk glasses I was walking around the house. Oh, this is fun! You know? Take them back off again, and of course then I wanted all the kids to put them on and, and try them. But that is exactly what happens, and you know what we end up doing is that when we have that distorted view because of things that have happened in our past, we create these coping mechanisms to help us deal with this distorted view, and it, it like, I mean, it can get really out there. You know, when God stands back, and I got this word, and I shared with it two weeks ago, when we talked about this, um, God gave me this word that he is the gentleman gardener. Standing in our life next to that cause that's affecting our everyday walk. But he says, as a gentleman gardener, I'll cut it out of your life. I'll take that experience, that pain, that thing in your past that's been crippling you. But he won't rip it out of your hands. He waits for you to surrender it to him. And when we give him our past, he rewrites our future. And there's no more crippling, no more distortion. It's his plans, his purposes, and this abundant life. Last week we talked about his present, and there was four important points that Scrooge, that were made to Scrooge in his present need for a transformation. Uh, The Spirit said, come in and know me better, man. We can't walk this God-honoring life without searching every day to know Him a little bit better. Every day, know Him a little bit better. Not know about Him, this is a knowing Him. And actually, I, I didn't get into it a lot last week, because uh, it sometimes gets a little PG-13 But that knowing, that word that he uses here about know me or or draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, is that intimacy that is face-to-face relational intercourse. It's an into me intimacy. Intimacy. We see, we come. That's the, that's the oneness he wants with us. And just reading this and checking off a box isn't going to get it. It's that you come to me and I'll come near you. God as close to you as you come to me. Why? Because he's a gentleman. He won't overpower you and make you love him. That gentleman says, you take a step toward me, oh, and I'll take a step toward you. You come near to me, I'll come near to you. And every once in a while, he'll just show you a little bit more of him. And I love it that Pastor Neal's devotion was all about that. He continues to want to reveal himself to you, but he's not an exhibitionist where he'll just, ah, look at me, you know. Okay? it will be like, you come close to me, I'll come close to you. And then I'll show you a little bit more of me. Um, the second point was that he told us to live in peace and goodwill to all men. And I, I have to hurry because I don't want to re-preach last week, sorry. But um, peace, we have to have peace. If we go through storms in this life, which we all will, we all do, all the time, and react like the world does, how are we any different? The only way is by this peace. A peace that passes all understanding. Well, how can you have peace when your whole life is, looks like a tornado? God. And he says goodwill to all men. Goodwill is not just a fond feeling of whatever toward people. That goodwill he's talking about is both an inside love and an outward like. We'll look at today, faith and deeds. They have to go hand in hand. Love and deeds. You can't just say you love somebody. You have to do something. Do something to prove it. Goodwill. Uh, He also said, if these shadows remain unaltered. We talked about it's not a once and done decision with God. It's you choose every day. Joshua said, today is the day of salvation. Choose you today. When is it today? Today. Today. Every day you choose. Choose God. Uh, And then he said, beware of ignorance and want. And I spent quite a bit of time on that last week. Ignorance is the continuing to ignore. Ignorance is continuing to ignore. His instruction, his commands, his word. Continuing to ignore. Want is seeking after Seeking more the things that matter less. That want, that need, that greed. Again, like chasing after the wind. He said, but beware even more of ignorance, for it marks your forehead for doom unless this writing be erased. And it's only God that can erase that. Alright, so let's look today into his future. Here our beloved Scrooge said so many amazing things at this precipice of his transformation. As he knelt in front of the tombstone, bearing his gloomy future, he asked the Spirit, Spirit, are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or are these the shadows of things that may be? You see, Scrooge had just discovered after being taken through his past, his present, and now faced with his future, that he was in need of a transformation. And he exclaimed, I can change these shadows by an altered life. You see, in order to experience a life transformation, it can't be just a declaration of a changed life. It must be proved by your actions, by an altered life. The definition of transformation means a thorough or dramatic change. Actually, the definition in the vocabulary website says it best. It says a transformation is an extreme radical change. A simple haircut won't cause a transformation in your appearance. But that haircut dyeing your hair purple, getting a tattoo across your neck, and begin to do things that you've never done before, well, that would be another story. That would be a transformation. That. Yeah. Alright, let's read. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I know, you were getting worried I wasn't going to go to the Word. Would you? I'm there. Uh, let's start in... Verse 5. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Jump over to verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, at the conclusion of the Christmas Carol movie in the book, Bob defined Scrooge's transformation in three statements. He said, Scrooge did all he said he would and more. He said the whole city knew of his change. And three, he continued to keep Christmas well through all his years. And that's the three things we're going to look at. Scrooge did all he said he would and more. First point. Listen, if you were to describe, if I were to describe someone who says one thing and does another, what words come to mind? Yeah, hypocrite, two-faced, you know, unworthy, liar. Now, what if I was to say that person professes to be a Christian? Says one thing, but lives another way. Look at James chapter 2. tell you, this is probably one of my, I've said it a million times, one of my favorite um, books, James's. Very plain, very plain. And in chapter 2 here, starting at verse 14, he gives you the absolute definition of what it means to be a Christian. That it can't just be a profession, it has to be your life declaration. Your life needs to declare what you believe inside. And he says, what good is it, in verse 14, my brothers, if man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, if any one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, well, you have faith, I have deeds. He says, show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not your ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. You can't just profess you're a Christian. Your life must exhibit. Prove it. For a real life transformation, our outside actions need to match our inside declarations. Like it, message translation reads 1 John 2, 4 through 6. It says, if someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words. But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. The second point, the whole city knew of his change. There is no secret service saints. We will not lead anyone to the Lord. If we are more concerned about being like them than we are about being like him in first Peter chapter two Starting at verse eleven says dear friends i urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to ast- abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul live such good lives among the unbelievers the pagans the unbelievers that though they may accuse you of doing wrong they may see your good deeds and glorify god on the day he visits us Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. I love riding motorcycle. Yes, I have tattooed. I'm a woman, a preacher. I love hanging out with people who are not Christians yet. But you can ask any one of those friends. And they can tell you that I don't waver in my beliefs. I am who I am everywhere I am. And that person is completely different than who I was before I met Jesus. Completely different. I've known a lot of Christians that have went awry because they've misapplied Paul's statement, i become all things to all men to win as many as I can. That in no way means that you become a drunkard to reach a drunk. That's just foolish. I know, I'm trying to find a different word. My son reprimanded me. Because he's like, I was just trying to uh, punish Owen because he's running around the house saying, um, shut up. And when I... Oh, Gigi says it! Oh. Oh. So Isaiah's like capital letters, Mom. And I'm like, oh crap, I'm sorry. He's like, not that word either! <laughs> oh! I don't, listen, I, I don't need to be somebody that I'm trying to witness to for them to listen to me. Uh, we were going to talk about this last Wednesday. We'll talk about it this Wednesday. Um, the hot topic, should um, should I, as a Christian, fill in the blank? And, and you throw in the topic, um, Should I drink? Should I, you know, swear? Should I, you know, I got all these different responses. I'm going to put them all under one topic, and we're going to talk about it this Wednesday. Um, But no, (laughs) let me just be real simple. No, if you want to help somebody who's in a pit, get out of the pit. Don't climb into the pit. Because then you'll be stuck in the pit with them, right? It's just like, hello, hello, McFly, anybody there, you know? doesn't make sense. The only way you can help them out of the pit is to stand next to the opening and instruct them, help them, throw a rope down to them, help them up out of it, not climbing down into it. And this one, I mean, I got slapped upside the head early, early on in my Christian walk. Um, I knew right away God was calling me into ministry as a man. Let me just, you know, throw this one out. You're all called in the ministry. As Christ's ambassadors, he called you a holy nation, a royal priesthood. There you are. So if somebody asks you, when did you know you were called into the ministry, go ahead and give them your reborn date. Because you were called right then. Um, But I went with my pastor... um, into the youth facility at that time and and my heart burned for youth youth ministry for a long time for the youth because I was just um I was so lost for so long in my teenage years um so I went and I was trying to quit smoking at that time I promise I really was I mean, I was at the altar every Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, Wednesday night. That's when we used to have services four or five times a week, you know. You are always at church. And I was always there. And I mean, I can't tell you how many packs of cigarettes I crumbled up, threw down, and got rid of my lighter. And then, you know, didn't even make it home before I stopped at the gas station and bought another pack. You know? I was trying, and I knew it, and it was another Sunday. I was at the altar and, and, you know, threw it down, and I'm all done. And, you know, and I won't get into the whole long testimony right now. But I went to the youth facility that week, and I was sitting with a girl named Dakery You know how her life started. Um, but I'm like, I mean. I was red hot on fire. I was hitting all the right words at the right time. And I knew this girl's giving her heart to the Lord. She just has no choice. Because it was just, I mean, the words were just coming. It was it was fire. And we were sitting there. And she goes, obvious. I mean, very blatant. She goes, and I looked at her and she goes, you smoke, don't you? I'm like, You know, so I gave her the nice Christian explanation how, you know, yes, but I've been, you know, praying and been trying to, you know, know, with God's help, you know, I'm going to quit. And she goes, well, you can take your Bible and your stuff and just leave right now. Don't try to tell me there's freedom in God when you're not free yourself. I'm like, it's a knife there in my back, you know, and out and... You know, yes, that was, you know, that was my big, you know, eye-opening, and I'll tell you, yeah, I had struggles, but that was it. I mean, because her words still, however many, 25 years later, still ring true in my head. You can't help somebody out of a pit by getting into the pit with them. So to say I need to become all things to all men, if you take it out of context and try to, you know, Justify that you need to be a drunkard to reach the drunks, that you need to, you know, act like a fool to reach a fool. You know, it's just a fool's errand. It's not true. So, but if the can the whole city, and that's what you know, uh, Bob said about Scrooge at the end of the movie. The whole city knew of his change. So let me ask, side of going to church once, how would the know that you're a Christian? Or better yet, let me ask you, would they know you're a Christian by your actions? Would your neighbors know you were a Christian if they never heard you say, I'm a Christian, just by what you do? The third and the last point that Bob made about Scrooge is he said he continued to keep Christmas well through all his years. This phrase "he continued" me that well he continued. He wasn't a Christian on Sunday, a businessman Monday through Friday, and then whatever he wanted to be on Saturday. He continued to be the same transformed man every day. He continued. He persevered. He with diligence and and, uh, that steady stream is the only way I can really describe it. Unmovable, you know, unchanging, steady stream that keeps pushing through. I did a a study. On perseverance, and I shared it with you before that it's not just a yay, I made it through the trial, but it's how you went through the trial. In James 1 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials, and times, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work in you, so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance. It's not just that you made it through the trial, but that word perseverance means how you went through the trial. How. Perseverance. Perse- severe. When you're going through severe trials, how you go through them. Think about the little child going through the checkout at Meijer, right? Their trial, their testing of their faith is to get by all them candy bars they put down at their level. When they ask you, can I have, and you say, no, not today. Their trial, their testing of their faith is, what do I do now? Well, if they throw themselves on the floor kicking and screaming, bloody murder, I want, I want, and you're dragging them out the door, you know, by their collar, as they're, you know, still sprawled out on the floor, when you get outside and put them in the car, they didn't persevere through that trial. Because the testing of their faith, that perseverance comes in how they went through it. So when your test, the testing of your faith comes, when these trials come and you, you know, you attack your family, you attack the person that's bringing the the testing of your faith, you know, your neighbor or whatever, and you scream and yell and blah, 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 and then you get back home and, you know, the trial's over with, and you're like, there, I made it through. No, buddy, you're going to hit that one again. (laughs) You didn't make it through that one. You know, it's just a big reset button, and you're going to retake that one again. I like it when Jacob was finishing up in high school, they put him in the computer version of the math that he really struggles with. I mean, a lot of us struggle with math. But they gave him the, he can take the test as many times as needed. So it, he could take it so many times and then he just had to email the teacher, call the teacher and she'd hit the reset button and he could take it again. Same thing with us. <laughs> Perseverance needs to be developed in us so that we continue to grow mature, not lacking anything complete. But you can't just go through the trial. It's how you go through the trial. Then, he says, okay, we made it through. You made it through that one. We're going to continue developing perseverance in your life. So now there's going to be a little bit harder testing of your faith. And then a little bit harder, and then a little bit harder. But if you get to A, and you keep hitting the reset button, because you're just not hitting that one right, you know, you're going to keep taking it over and over again. It's not just going through, it's how you go through. He continued, he continued See, Christians who are constantly on this roller coaster of, yay, God's so good. God, where are you? He left me and my life's miserable. Would you just pray for me? You know? Your neighbors, the whole city's watching. Your neighbors are watching. Your friends and family. And let me tell you, your kids are watching. And if they see that kind of a life, how is that any different than their, you know, buddies and their buddies' family and, you know, Everybody else. There's got to be this continued, steady, complete, mature, not lacking anything, continuing on lifestyle. Well, does that mean I can't ever feel? No. We are all in this earthly vessel that has feelings, that goes through sicknesses, that goes through things that, you know, whatever reason, things just happen. Right? It's like your car. Do you plan on your car to get a flat tire? Do you plan on your car to, you know, overheat? What Do you plan? No. But can it happen? Yeah, it can happen. Is it going to change anything for you to stand outside your car and, oh, why? You know? No. No. Call the tow truck. Call the mechanic. <laughs> Call your dad. You know, call God, you know, whatever. It doesn't do any good to, oh, why, woe is me, you know, horrible wretch that I am. Why, you know, why, you know, forget it. Just go on. Um, I don't know why, um, I had this rash break out on my arm last night. I mean weirdest thing, nothing, nothing changes in my house. We use the same laundry soap, the same everything, you know Brian's got sensitive and I I have, let's just say sensitive to certain things so we keep everything the same. So where did this rash come from? I don't know, is it painful? Yes. Do I want it? No am I going to say, oh, woe is me, I'm a, it's horrible, I'm a monster, you know, what can I do? I, I don't know, I got, I got a body that is supposed to be walking in divine health, but when there's times when it doesn't, I don't give cripple to it. I don't give a crutch to it. I don't give permission for it to stay. I continue to speak to it. You've got to go. Actually, it was clear down my arm. And look at this part of my arm is completely clear. So I know now you're all like, who, who said that at pre-service prayer? Would well, Jesus touch? Because I'm like, you know, just, you know, don't touch it when you guys are praying for me. And I think it was Pastor Denny or, or my dad. Somebody says, well, Jesus touched the leper. I said, that's true. That's right. But what are you going to do? Don't go into the, oh, woe is me, oh, you know, why, 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 why. But let me tell you, that is one of the biggest ploys of the enemy. He wants you to sit down in the valley of the shadow of death, stop walking, don't continue on, set up camp here, and let's just look at this. Right? why is this happening to you and nobody else and oh my god well the bible says anything you're going through take heart why because everybody else has went through it too so when the enemy says you're all alone nobody knows be quiet don't tell anybody and you know uh, it's a lie It's a lie. Throw back his little curtain, you know, the whole Wizard of Oz, the big voice. Where was he? You know, the little man behind the curtain. Throw it open. Say, I see you, devil. You can't say that to me. You're just lying. Get out of here. But it's that continued on, continued on. You have to continue on. I love that. Perseverance. I want to be complete. I want to be mature. I want to be not lacking anything. Actually, some translations say, not lacking any, any good thing. I want all good things, don't you? Yeah. I want to not be lacking in anything good. I want all good things. Let's, sorry, I'm, I'm wrapping up. Sure I am. But this is not a call to try and do a holy life make that very clear. You cannot do this transformation all on your own. You can't do life a Christian life without God. Uh, All the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the religious leaders, remember, to keep the Ten Commandments, they created over 600 little rules for holy living in order just to keep ten. And they tried and tried, you know, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do, you know. And they'd, you know, walk around and, you know, oh, be careful, do that. And Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Because you're trying to look good on the ins or on the outside, but your inside is full of death. Why? See, your inside has to match your outside. Your outside has to match your inside. In order to walk the holy life that he's calling us to, we have to holy W H O L L Y give him our life. And then when he comes into our life, he lives that holiness through our life. See, you can't make your physical body, this sinful fleshly man live holy. <coughs> I mean the best you can do is try to do good but that's as far as you'll get and matter of fact I mean I've known a lot of good people who said they didn't need God because they're just good I said you know there's more to life than just good I mean our own dictionary says good is just the basis or just the bottom isn't it remember you, you learn these words in English right good better Best. (laughs) He has the best life planned for us. Do you really want to settle for good? In Titus 2, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. The grace of God teaches us teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions teaches us to live self-controlled upright and godly lives and it says in this present age now you can actually walk a self-controlled upright and godly life now As we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. It's the grace of God that teaches us The grace of God is the teacher inside of us, like the the Jiminy Cricket, if you will, on our shoulder that, you know, whispers in our ear, oh, you don't need that. And you're walking this way and doing these things and he whispers in your ear, oh, you shouldn't go this way. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, and teaches us how to live this self-controlled, upright, godly life. And listen, it was Jesus who gave Himself to redeem us from all. So your excuse to hold on to anything worldly, anything wicked, anything sinful, is wrong. Because Jesus died to remove it all, to redeem us from it all. So why would you want to? As a matter of fact, it would be stating his blood wasn't enough for you to say, well, I'm still struggling with this. I'm still holding on to this. And it's just who I am. This is regarding that, that scripture that we are no man according to his blood. I keep cutting out when I stand there, don't I? Regard no man according to the flesh. That's a whole lot of different things there. But one of the things it means is, well, you know, that's just Jody. That's who he is. No. Because in Ephesians 4 that we read at the beginning, that the old man is gone. When Jody gave his life to the Lord, behold, Jody is all new. He's created to be like God, completely righteous, completely holy. So I don't regard Jody as the old man anymore, he's dead and gone. I can look at Jody now as the man who's like God. Holy and righteous. I regard no man according to the flesh. So I'll call all men to that standard. Not that, hmm, judging, but holy, righteous. I don't just say, oh, that's who they are. I'm going to go after them and say, that's not who you are. That's part of that old man, and we can do this. Come on, and let's walk out of here. I'm going to end with this. If you can't see a dramatic difference in your life before Christ and after Christ, you need a life transformation. If you look around in your life and you see a lot of the things that was in your life before you met Jesus, you need a life transformation. If you still struggle with a lot of things that you used to struggle with before you met Christ, you need a life transformation. The grace it's the grace of God that teaches us. That puts some responsibility back on me, right? like a student and a teacher in a classroom the teacher can only teach so much the student has to apply it right apply it what to prove it the teacher's teaching, the grace of God is teaching you, but you have to apply it now, and that's what in Second Peter one. This is our responsibility, applying. But they have to go hand in hand. It has to be both God and you. If it's all you trying to do without Him, you're no better than those tunes. If it's all God and you're like, well, all God, none of me, all God, none. Well, it's like trying to eat Twinkies for breakfast lunch and dinner Sitting in your lazy boy chair not doing any exercise because it's all good and he gave me a healthy life Something's going wrong It's both It's yes him and yes you I think it was uh, Bill Johnson that said people who say, um, none of me, God, but all of you. They're just missing. The point, he had none of you before and he didn't like it. That's why he created you. He wants you. He wants all of you and all of him. Again, there's that intimacy. There's something wrong with somebody who's being intimate all by themselves. Let me say it that way. Again, PG-13. Draw it in, people. Draw it in. He wants all of you, and all of Him, and all of Him, and all of you. And 2 Peter 1, here's our part. It says, His divine power, there it is again, it's the grace, it's the power, it's the Holy Spirit us, teaching us. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him. Now, I'm going to break down this last scriptures that we're going to look at like we've been doing in life groups we're teaching in life groups not to just read through the scripture but stop and understand leaning on his understanding, leaning on his word that he laid out for us that is fully complete able to teach us, equip us in all good things he says through our knowledge of him he's given us everything we need for a godly life but how do you know what you've been given unless you learn you know what you've been given unless you learn you can't he can't come near to you than you come near to him first draw near to me and I'll draw near to you through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these through what? What are these? These. His glory and his goodness. Through these through his glory and his goodness he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, what's them? His precious promises. Through his precious promises you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires for this reason what reason to participate in the divine nature For the reason to participate in the divine nature, make every effort now to add to your faith. See, here's your part. Add to your faith goodness. What does that mean? Be good. You tell your dogs that when you leave the house, don't you? I know I do. I don't know why. One of these days, I just want God to just like speak through the dog like he did the donkey, but say, okay, I'll be good. Because what do I say when I leave? Des, be good. I'll be right back, which most of the time I'm lying to her, but anyway. Be good. Add to your faith goodness. What does that mean? It's okay. No, just be good. We all know how to be good. your faith goodness and then to goodness see now I like that he added up and then so be good and then it says and to goodness knowledge isn't that funny he put that second he didn't say learn and study first you give your life to the Lord okay what am I supposed to do next be good and go and learn about me go and know me better man me better and what be good. Well what does that mean? Be good. So to goodness, to goodness, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control. What does that mean? Start reining it in. Right? Dog bleach at no that only has so far. What does he do every time somebody comes near? and gets choked every time you know foghorn leghorn I love that cartoon and that dog right why he draws that line in the sand and says that's as far as that dog's gonna come so I'm gonna get him to come right here every time but he's saying self control which means rein it in stop going to the edge every time rein it in start a little bit start a little bit self control Teaches us to say the grace of God teaches us to say no So the teachers teaching you You have that little whisper in your ear. um, You shouldn't be going this way. You shouldn't be watching this You shouldn't say that in front of your grandkids anymore Reel it in a little bit And then reel it back in a little bit and then to self-control, add, here it is. There's that word again, perseverance. Don't keep running and, ah! Don't... Ah! Perseverance. Why? Because you're going to hit that reset button every time. So pull it back. Self-control. Pull it back a little bit. And then what? Keep pulling it back. Is that Christmas music? I love it. Ten more days till Christmas Okay. perseverance keep pulling it back and then it says and to perseverance godliness well what how can I I'm not God and you know that's new age to call yourself God oh I'm not calling myself God I'm called to be like God Ephesians 4 in all holiness and all righteousness why because he's in me as Christ's ambassadors, which means as if Christ was speaking through me, as if Christ was standing here as me, he even says in the world that as he is now, so are we in this world. Godliness, well how can I be godly? Well, it's real simple. Remember those old little bracelets, WWJD? WWJD? he do? What would Jesus do? Could you see Jesus doing that? No? Well then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Right? Godliness. And to godliness mutual affection. There's that word mutual affection. Goodwill. Mutual affection. Goodwill. Which means I'm not just going to say I love you and walk away from them. But my faith and my deeds, my love and my actions have to go together. That's goodwill. That's mutual affection. And then he said, now add to mutual affection. So that's what you have to do first, mutual affection. And then to mutual affection, add love. First time I read through it this way, I thought, well, that's seems all backward when put in the light of 1 Corinthians 13 and all the other scripture that says what are we supposed to do love everyone right love everyone you can't properly love everyone without going through this list first you can't why because your love is selfish it's need based it's just me based right that's why there's so many divorces now it says that the divorce rate in the church and outside the church is equal, if not more, among Christians than it is non-believers. It's need-based. It's need based its me based That love that he's talking about is that love that he commands us, calls us, and, and implores us to, which is that love that lays down your life for others. And see, you can't do that if you don't walk through that steps, those steps first. You can, if you can't even have mutual affection, which means you can't even take care of somebody emotionally and physically, how are you going to give your life for them? I told you before, I, I, God showed me a new... Um, I don't want to say meaning because that can people take that the wrong way Um, but that scripture that says um, love God first love others as you love yourself that we have used that to mean that you know until we can love ourselves we can't properly love others I don't believe that for a minute Yes, I believe there's some, like, the, in the past, some crippled experiences that we need to get past in order to love people properly. Yes, I believe that. But I believe, at least in our culture and our age and in, in, in Western civilization, that we know how to love ourselves. And if we could even try to love others as much as we love ourselves, what? I don't feel like it, so I'm going to... I want to do this, and I want to do this. Well, I'm just going to do this, and I'm just going to do that. Well, how about doing that for somebody else? How about loving somebody else as much as you love yourself? But see, he's calling us to a love that dies to self. A love that sacrifices ourself for others. And if you can't even mutually have goodwill toward one another, you can't have that kind of love. So it's not backwards, it's actually a building upon, and that's what he's saying. Then add to your faith, goodness, and add to goodness, you know. He's telling you build upon. Let's finish this. He says, therefore, oh, sorry. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, so there's a continuing on, continuing on. ...will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive... ...in your knowledge... ...of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, not just in your life... ...but in your knowledge of what you're learning about Him... times in my life as a Christian that I was reading the word and not getting a stinking thing out of it it's like you know nothing was changing it was blah blah it was like you know Charlie Brown's teacher and I'm like I don't even know is this supposed to you know do I smear it on me you know how does this you know maybe I balance it on how does this change me I'm not getting anything out of it that's it you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of him in what you're learning of him in that growing intimate relationship with him but whoever does not have these things is nearsighted and blind forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election by adding these things on a continued basis. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you stand? If I make you stand, maybe I'll really wrap up.